All right, guys, welcome to State of the Industry. I'm Chris Gaines, co-founder at The Den. I have right here my friend Yuri. Hi, everyone. And I have my other friend, Alex. Hey, everybody. So today we're going to be talking about the state of the industry. And the industry that we're really interested in today is the real estate industry. So Alex is going to introduce himself. Uh, he has an amazing company called Proppy. Um, and they're doing really cool things in the blockchain space. So we really want to hear from him. Um, and see, you know, give, give his insights and really understand why blockchain is doing the cool things that it is in the real estate industry, as well as where we think it's going to go and how he is helping to drive it forward with his company, Proppy. So let's hop straight into it. So uh, thanks uh, for coming on the show. You know, it's really excited to have you here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Awesome. Uh, my name is Alex Voloshin. I'm the CTO at Proppy. And at Propi, we make a decentralized uh, registry with uh, a global real estate marketplace. Um, so I have about 15 years of uh, technical expertise developing software. Uh, originally, I'm from Ukraine, and I had a little startup there that got acquired and brought me to the United States. And here, already in the States, I met uh, the CEO of Propi, Natalia Karayanova. And we had a discussion about uh, Propy, and I really liked the idea, and I think that's an excellent application of the blockchain. So um, I said, let's do it. And uh, uh, now, a year after token sale, we have everything running smooth, and uh, we have multiple deals completed in, um, uh, in Europe, in the United States, and uh, looking to scale up. That's awesome. So. So I did a little bit of uh, research, I dove into your guys' website, really just trying to understand like where the, the value proposition is for Proppy. So uh, a couple of things that I saw, um, you guys have a ton of different listings that it shows on the website, you know, LA, Dubai, um, Moscow. So it seems like you guys are covering multiple like international markets, which is really cool. Um, but we were also, we were talking earlier and you were mentioning that there's multiple uh, facets essentially of property and what you guys are trying to do. So why don't you kind of go a little deeper into that? Sure. So uh, property consists of three main parts. Uh, first part is the listing platform. So Zillow, if you will. Um, second part is the conveyance platform where you actually sign all the documents, make the payments, and go through entire conveyance, get your uh, deed in the end of the deal. And the third part is the decentralized uh, real estate registry, uh, which, which is to be used by government organizations. And um, everybody can just run the nodes and verify and see, see what happens. So uh, the smart contracts, they run on Ethereum uh, public mainnet. So um, it's pretty easy to just go ahead and verify every transaction that we've done. And uh, um, of course, in the countries where people don't trust the government too much, that's basically um, really, really important. Uh, for some people, more important to have uh, data secured. Uh, for some countries, corruption is a real big problem. But there are different applications in different countries for, uh, for this technology. So. Out of all of the different countries and like places that you guys have started trying to implement your technology, which countries were the easiest or which locations were made it the easiest for you to kind of bring forward this new technology? Um, who was the most who were the most accepting people that you worked with? And I guess on the flip side, uh, did you have any issues 
trying to work with people, but you are still currently working with them? Um, okay, so let me start with, uh, uh, with the easiest uh, place to make deals. So, uh, first of all, when we started doing uh, building Propi, there were a lot of real estate actors that uh, reached out to us, and uh, countries specifically as well. Like, we had a really productive conversation with Ukraine, replacing the registry there. Uh, um, and uh, we signed the MOU with Ministry of Justice, and um, right away, maybe two or three weeks after the token sale, we already had the first deal. So, so when you say replacing the registry, you mean taking deeds, taking real estate uh, like ownership that is currently being tracked by the government and transferring it onto your blockchain? Right. They still will run the nodes, yeah. um, and uh, a lot of the rules have to be applied that that is just how the government works. But besides that, you will still have the same transparency. You will still have the same resilience to losing the data. So, for example, if something happens and the building burns out, all you do is just put another computer, plug that, uh, plug that in, it will pull the data back, and you're back on track. So all of these benefits will, will still be there. Yeah, cool. you having a thing to add? I, I mean, I, I see the benefits. Uh, you know, I, I lived in Ukraine as well. I grew up there, and I know that how hard sometimes it is to prove that this property is truly yours. So, you know, mm -hmm. property will definitely can come in in that. Um, in a sense, though, of, like, job replacement, right? So could property just come in and, you know, take over a market and, you know, what, what, what would the government say to, what do you think the government would say to your point where you could pretty much dominate the whole country and countries with, uh, well, with that kind of protocol? And so many people will, I'm not saying lose their jobs, but maybe do something different <laughs> in, a, in a way to say it. Switch careers. So, switch career, <laughs> career change, redirection. Redirection. redirection there you is. go. So what, 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 what do you think? Uh, well, some of the jobs will definitely be eliminated. And especially like when you talk about U.S., there are, there are just so many people between you and your property that the pro process takes so long time and it's expensive as well. So um, in, in these terms, when you think about that, it's actually eliminating people that basically don't really uh, bring a lot of value to this deal but, but still cost money. Mm -hmm. So, um, specifically about running the registries, we're not going to run the registries. We provide the software for them. Mm -hmm. So, they're going to install the nodes and, um, and just run the registry there. So, um, there are two layers, essentially. One layer is everything that you can put publicly. Mm -hmm. And it includes all kinds of proofs, verifications that you own uh, that uh, property. And... Uh, uh, the second layer where basically you have all the sensitive information. So the sensitive information is going to be encrypted and stored on the second level. Mm -hmm. um, so in a sense, they will still have the data ownership even though all the proofs are uh, out there, right? Um, so essentially, we're not taking over countries, <laughs> but our technology does. Okay, and in the other sense, you know, like the history of Ukraine and what it may be, what happens when the government has a turnover mm -hmm. and they decide to update the registry? 
So what, <laughs> what, 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 what benefits you think property has to kind of facilitate, you know, the people who have registered their uh, That's an excellent there. question. So if they want to do something like that, that would be immediately visible. So for example, if in, in the past it would be possible to just like close down the, the registry for like a couple of weeks and, yeah. and do whatever you want and then later on you just reopen and since they and since they completely would own everything, mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to prove anything. But here you have proofs on public mainnet. So you have all the information to prove what what happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, of course, nobody would want to risk the public exposure of that. Like behind the curtains, that's one thing. But if you create some sort of like international deal out of that, and blockchain is international, it's, it's covering global. the entire planet, <laughs> essentially, tens of thousands of nodes. So what's going to happen is no sane person will invest in your country, mm -hmm. and that's not what politicians want. So they they basically going to be locked down and not be able to do this. Mm -hmm. So it's extremely valuable um, in situations. I think another case is you know rural areas in China, stuff like that, where there's a lot of issues with the way that land is actually allocated to different people, or India even, where. Um, you know, uh, someone in a lot, with a lot of power might come through and just claim land that has been owned by a certain family for generations, mm -hmm. right? So, so then how do you incentivize places like that? How do you incentivize people to start using your network? Where there's obviously a benefit for the majority of people, but certain groups who might be in power have a lot of influence on what actually happens. So if you have people who uh, basically run the country who do that, um, that's of course very hard and to convince them because you're basically saying you won't be able to uh, get away with impunity for whatever you do, right? So they might not be very interested to uh, adopt such technology. But uh, actually another case is, which is more common, is basically the government has best interest, but then uh, people who are lower on the ladder who might want to make some money on uh, on a side and those people could just modify the records not because the government wants so but they yeah. sicken some interest for themselves and um, uh, if government has the best um, um, for in mind for the, in mind for their citizens um, they would say, okay, let's adopt that. And all these people will not be able to do that. So then government will, will still be on board. Mm -hmm. So I guess one thing that I'm, I'm really curious to know, like from your perspective, um, and this also comes from, uh, we, we have a friend who is a very large real estate investor. And you know he's making deals all the time. Um, he's been in the real estate industry for 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I was talking to him earlier today um, because I knew that we were having this uh, discussion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from my perspective, I see um, in the blockchain space, I see the value that it brings, especially long term. Uh, but for someone who has been doing real estate for years, has, they've already created their processes. They've already figured out what is easy for them. Um, how do you guys bring the value proposition of property to them? Is it between, you know, 
making international deals and is the real focus on being able to uh, transact using different currencies without having to deal with exchanges too much? Or is there some other benefit that you would you know, take to someone like that? Well, actually, all of the above, you kind of answered the question for me. <laughs> but let me go a little bit in depth for that. So uh, Propy, why Propy has these three parts to it? Why not just make something one thing? Yeah. Well, if you, if you make one thing, you basically cannot change it a lot because you have to play well with other parts. Yeah. And if you have the entire ecosystem, that becomes very easy to, uh, to go ahead and optimize and automate things. So uh, first of all, uh, it's definitely much more convenient doing everything from your computer, from the comfort of your home and buying in pretty much any country out there. So um, you don't have to come to that country physically. You just do it online, like um, what we like to say, Amazon of real estate. You go, you. you Browse through the through. houses and like, oh, I like this one. Is there a property prime or? <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent uh, point. Maybe there should be. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it sounds like I want it. <laughs> um, so, so then once you once you uh, once you get the house that you like, uh, all the conveyance and is also much easier because again you do everything digitally. You sign everything online. Um, well, at this point of time, the seller has to. Uh, physically uh, go to the office and uh, um, sign the deed. Um, that's actually not required by law. This is just considered like a good practice. Mm. Uh, but what we're looking to do is not to lose that security of, um, well, authenticated person uh, signs. We want to, but we want at the same time give best usability. So for this, we want to use uh, remote notaries. And remote notaries can actually uh, verify who you are, and um, uh, that's be, that's quickly growing these days. Okay. So then, how would you explain blockchain technology to that same person? Um, because, or would you even bother? Do you, would you just go for the straight value propositions and just treat blockchain like like DocuSign uh, or some <laughs> other like underlying technology that people mm -hmm. don't? care about like I, I'm curious to know because you know as the den and just from my own personal perspective mm -hmm. my goal is always to to find out how people drive home the value of blockchain in general mm -hmm. and then connect it to the industry or whatever that person is personally interested in yeah absolutely so as a technical person I always try to explain everything how it works. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so, I completely understand. So it's that's why it's interesting. <laughs> so we do we do two levels of this. So first level is some simple explanation. For example, uh, here's one that I like. Just imagine essentially a spreadsheet. And how do you verify that people would put correct data on that spreadsheet? You share that between tens of thousands of computers and then when a record um, is being added, everybody can cryptographically verify that this record is specifically from that particular person. So, um, uh, to not go deeply in cryptography, but <laughs> asymmetric keys basically uh, allow you to do this. You, you encrypt with one key and you can verify with another key. So this way everyone can uh, make sure that there is data integrity, that each record corresponds to uh, uh, all the um, rules. 
And this way, you create trust in, um, so to say, trustless environment, because nobody trusts each other, everybody verifies everything, and this is how you create this safe um, space where you can uh, make sure that nobody can um, play dirty. Cool. Yeah, I think that actually, it's there are different approaches to it, and I feel like a lot of people actually use a spreadsheet approach at the end of the day if it's a distributed ledger yeah tracking transactions as well as the addresses or people who sent them and and also the second part uh, of explaining is usually uh for people who want to work with that and to work with that we actually run uh, workshops and on these workshops uh, we we invite uh, brokers and um, pretty much everybody who's in real estate but uh, mostly brokers okay. and uh, people call them like you wouldn't believe people just call them and say I want to buy a house I have Bitcoin and uh, agents just hang up they just don't know how to handle it they don't know how to handle that they 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 think uh, wrongly that that Bitcoin is used only for uh, for for some <laughs> crazy legal things yeah. which is actually completely opposite mm. recently it was proven actually but with the data but you know, there were for some time things like, oh, you want to use Bitcoin to buy drugs or something, but why would you use Bitcoin to buy drugs and put yourself on a ledger <laughs> to be there forever that you bought drugs with that? I mean, that's completely stupid. Like, why wouldn't you use cash then? That's a huge misconception that a lot of people have, though, Absolutely. Right? Is they think that, oh, by using Bitcoin, that everything is secure, everything's anonymous. That is completely false. Yeah. Now, yeah. if we're talking narrow, then it's a different a different story. But as a primarily used currency, that's one of the misconceptions that I think people <laughs> need to understand is not the case. Yeah. For example, there there were um, cases with Silk Road when people use Bitcoin like loan and back in the day when nobody knew what that was. Yeah. Well, and now it's all visible who did what, <laughs> and uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah. So illegally, you better don't do it yeah i mean at the end of the day your public key they can still connect you to your public key then <laughs> like. yeah and the data is immutable you can't change it you can't delete it so that's not a great use case for cryptocurrency for cryptocurrency great use cases to do things legally <laughs> that's the right answer <laughs> uh so here's another question that uh that i was thinking about earlier so uh there actually there are a few other companies in the uh, the real estate space uh, that are you know doing blockchain solutions. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, a couple, sliced up market, uh, Bitcasas, um, and a lot of these companies that I've seen. One of the key features that I guess I really connect with when I hear about it mm -hmm. is the ability to take like a large multi million dollar real estate deal and not only allow multiple parties to invest into that one deal. Mm -hmm but also grant liquidity to these people um, so that if the market goes up or they need to, you know, reallocate their assets that they can sell off that stake in that, uh, that large purchase much faster than they could in the traditional market. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on that type of approach? And does Proppy have anything like that? Or are they kind of looking to do something like that in the future? Well, it's definitely common. And we knew about 
we predicted that it's coming a long time ago, and basically when we build the registry, we already build fractional ownership in the registry. So it's already available in proper registry. Nice. Are we going to tokenize the buildings ourselves? I don't know, time will tell. But um, it's definitely coming, and I, I see a lot of use cases for that and, um, and value. Do you have anything to add, Yuri? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you guys touched up on a lot of what cryptocurrency is, how important it is, and I think that maybe Proppy, um, maybe you can explain to me better what um, what is the security? Like, for example, let's say, you know, I've, I've been an investor in ICOs and, you know, cryptocurrencies for over three years now, and, you know, it's always a little bit hesitant. You, you do all your research, but in the end, you're like <laughs> a little bit trigger. hesitant once you send them money. So <laughs> I guess um, I guess to the point of property that I'm trying to understand here is, okay, so I get it what you want to do with the registry, but let's say if I really want to do a transaction and the mm -hmm. house is 100000 so I you then become the custodian, or do I need to find someone else to transfer the money? So who handles the money part for me? That's an excellent question. So depending on the um, geography where you want to make transaction, things are a little bit different. Right. Um, and we build the platform the way that it doesn't matter. You can have any legal process on that platform. So. Um, if you do that, for example, our first deal in Ukraine, uh, we had uh, currency, by the way, buyer and seller both wanted Ethereum, Ether. Uh, so money was held in smart contracts and smart contract played the role of escrow. So for, so you went through the each step of the process and basically when um, the ownership was transferred, the money automatically been dispersed to uh, the seller. So all of those things happen automatically. Here in the United States, uh, you cannot automatically do that without certain licenses, right. uh, which we haven't obtained yet, um, but we're working towards that. Okay. So, um, so, you could have, so you could have basically either lawyer do escrow functionality for you, or escrow company do that for you. Hmm. And there are lawyer states, there are escrow states, so depending on which state you go with either or. Okay, so then, you know, uh, I don't want to be too tough on the questions with you, but I'm, I'm sure you're, you're, ahead. you're ahead. the CTO, you, you, can, you can figure it out, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so um, you know, the, the, I, I spend a lot of time right now thinking about the to uh, token economy, okay? Right. So let's say the property is, you know, 100,000, Right, mm -hmm. and you're yeah. gonna convert it today in Ethereum, but then the escrow will close in three months, and mm -hmm. Ethereum price is zero at that time. <laughs> so, what happens in a sense of how do you ensure the customer that hey, maybe we can trade it during that time if Ethereum is going to zero, or you know, like what? How do you try to fix that problem for the end user? That's a great question. So, uh, there are. There are a couple of ways of doing that. So first is uh, the most common type of transaction that we get inquiries for, it's basically crypto to fiat. So buyer is um, crypto um, enthusiast who made a lot of money on Bitcoin and now he wants to diversify or, or just buy real estate to live there. So sellers mostly, um, uh, conventional sale sellers who want to use D for their um, 
properties or in Europe um, euros and so on. Uh, so we provide the functionality, we work with different exchanges and money transmitters to uh, be able to convert the money. So in this case, uh, you write a contract in USD and then uh, we convert the money before it gets to escrow account. And in escrow account, you have USD, which it's going to take three months or not. It's just going to sit there and... and not going to change much. Yeah. Okay, so I get it. So you basically just go with the fiat, which is solves which, the problem. Which is the, this 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 token. use case. But there is use case where mm-hmm. you go crypto to crypto. Mm-hmm. But in this case, um, all the documentation, everything is done prior to this. So essentially, you have um, you pay three percent deposit in the beginning, and then all the documents are made till the uh, essentially payment portion. Once you pay. Uh, it just takes hours. Okay. So this step is the very last day. It takes hours for the um, uh, for the person just to sign the deed. That's all that needs to be made. Deed is already drafted. All the documents signed. Everything is ready. So it's you waiting for a signature. So in theory, it could be one minute. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. okay. In practice, it takes a couple of hours. And later on, when we do remote notarization and things like that, that's going to be really minutes. Mm-hmm. So if you do crypto to crypto. If you want to accept crypto, you probably expecting it to grow, right? And <laughs> or stay, <laughs> you or know, stay. maybe stay in the same. Yeah, because at pe- least. <laughs> yeah, because people say, you know, like it's a risk, but very few people mention that it's also a reward as well because, yeah. you know, it's a volatile currency, mm-hmm. and if you're willing to accept that. Maybe you accept and it will go down or up in a minute after you accept that. Right? Yeah, yeah. so to your point, I, I get it. I, I mean, I've lost a lot of money. I've also made a lot of money on cryptocurrency. So I, I get the volatile appeal and the reward mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. But when you look at, you know, let's say property, good, 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 God help property <laughs> become the next, you know, biggest uh, world uh, real estate agency, right? So... The real estate market is really big. So if you're looking at, you know, doing so many transactions at that same time, then mm-hmm. you kind of need more of a stable coin. So I get what you're trying to do with um, incentivize for the rewards, mm-hmm. saying like, hey, it can grow. Um, and then you also have a way to use the U.S. dollar. So when does the property coin come into play? So All right. So, so let me case? just... Um um, uh, cover this to- topic a little bit more. So uh, we have multiple tokens uh, and uh, uh, coins uh, can be used in our platform. So Bitcoin, uh, Ether, all kind of tokens, and 33 fiat currencies as well. And we can convert between whatever you want. And mm-hmm. then if you want to use um, stable coins, absolutely. There is a, for us, there is absolutely no difference if you're going to mm-hmm. be using... Um, whatever token versus stable um, uh, coins. So um, where does Propy token comes in? Uh, it's basically a lifeblood of the uh, Propy products. And uh, um, with our token economy, we wanted to make it that uh, you can have a network effect that would uh, help uh, spread throughout the world basically and grow 
um, grow the token economy. And this is how it works, is essentially we have a network growth pool. And from this network growth pool, we uh, use some tokens to incentivize users or governments. Uh, for example, we could say we will cover your fees for one year for using platform, mm -hmm. right? It's not going to be like, oh, it's free, just enjoy. Somebody has to pay that. <laughs> and we will use tokens to pay for those uh, transactions. Mm -hmm. And once we do that, um, uh, and they use our software later on, they will require more tokens. So um, essentially the circulation improves. And then uh, for each deal that's happening, for each recording that happening, essentially you have two thirds going back to the network growth pool. And only one third goes back to the company that will be used to further develop this uh, software because it's still, it's open source software. Mm -hmm. And it's free, it's available on GitHub. So. Um, this is essentially the way to um, keep the project alive because it's, if it's completely, completely free, projects mostly just die. Yeah. It's, it's few projects that, that could be absolutely free. That's basically something that multiple big companies use and then their employees kind of like keep those projects alive as an open source, right? So, so in this way, you have uh, token running through um, uh, through the registry, coming back to uh, network growth pool and incentivizing more users to uh, come to our platform to list their properties and maybe some bonuses when you buy properties as well. So this way, the more users, the more transactions happen and each transaction again has um, um, uh, cost in pro tokens. Mm -hmm. So this way you create uh, this ecosystem where um, each iteration of this token going through the cycle brings more people to the platform. And one great example of network effect, best example in the world for network <laughs> effect, is internet. Internet, however great it is, if you have two people using that, that's <laughs> nobody so, wants that. It's pretty sad. That's garbage, yeah. But the more people using internet, the more valuable it becomes. So we're trying to do something similar. Okay, awesome. What's your consensus, by the way? So we use uh, um, we use public uh, Ethereum mainnet. Yeah. Yes. So we use essentially their consensus, but there are other uh, little things uh, that that compose different services that mm -hmm. we're using uh, decentralization in one way or another, and uh, um, there is. For the level um, uh, two network that we have, it's basically uh, consortium consensus mm -hmm. and uh, proof of authority on it. So, okay. um, so you can have these nodes in government um, buildings, and they basically can do verifications of each other. Right, right, right. So I, I so know, forth. I know. Yeah, yeah. got it. That's okay. an, that makes sense as an implementation of proof mm -hmm. of authority, obviously. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah. there is another thing. There is a. Um, um, uh, thing we need consensus as well is uh, title mining mechanism. So, for example, there are countries uh, where um, everything is on paper, or maybe not even on paper, because uh, we've been talking to uh, a couple countries, and in a developing country, one of the developing countries that we've been talking to, what happens is there are no records. Right. And uh, how the prime minister explained to me, for example, when people come to vote, mm -hmm. they use live blockchain. Mm -hmm. And basically you go there uh, with um, like your village or your neighborhood 
and um, everybody just vouch, vouch for each other. That's they cool. recognize each other yeah. once you verify by like n number of verifiers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. yeah. You, you go and can vote. So with percent attack over there. <laughs> yeah, and with with um, properties, it's kind of the same way. If your neighbors say it's your house, it's your house. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, for them, they can skip whole lot of these stages that companies went through, like going through uh, paper, then yeah. going through uh, relational databases and centralized technologies and going to block. They can skip this whole thing altogether and just start with the blockchain. That sounds like a like a fun like test net almost. Like you're starting from scratch <laughs> yeah. on something that is typically designed to work with, you know, real estate. <laughs> yeah, and it's a uh, it's it's quite challenging to create a good consensus on this because in every country you would have different use cases. It varies, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, so for example, in countries where records are um, kept very well, um, for them, basically, you just import the data and consensus proof of authority. Yeah. And in the countries where there are no records or you can't really trust the records or something like that, you have to figure out different consensus and then how do you make sure that somebody just doesn't hire 500 people for consensus, <laughs> right? So these things are quite complex and we, we have models for uh, most of these consensuses for, for different countries. Yeah. Um, some more challenges, challenging than the others, but... Um, so how many, how many of these like country consensus models do you have? Like so currently there are three different models and like proof of authorities, of course, the simplest one, the, the other one is the combination of uh, proof of authority and um, 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 crowd of people. Yeah. And the third one is basically crowd of people, but there are different mechanisms to, to make sure that they, uh, they not cheat. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you gotta look out for that. It's, yeah. it's, it's really funny thinking about, um, this is the thing that I always think about with blockchain. It's the value within the technology is obviously amazing, but there's always that, that input point where there are still human beings who have their own agendas and may or, not, may or may not be having your agenda or your best uh, being in mind. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm always looking for how people deal with, um, deal with that input of information at the very beginning, right? Um, yeah, so I, I guess I, some of, uh, one of the other kind of sections I wanted to get into was uh, your role as CTO at Proppy. Some of the, uh, I guess, the, the other pain points that you felt, specifically in, I guess, whether it's regulations, whether it's working with people, finding developers, whatever it is, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. as the CTO of a blockchain company, where are you, what are the things you wish that you could snap your fingers and were no longer an issue for you? I'm sure there are plenty. <laughs> there are plenty. <laughs> at least, you know, the top three. <laughs> okay, so um, first of all, the industry, the technology is way too young. So you have everything that, that come in with that. Like you mentioned, um, hiring people. Yeah very expensive, uh, very hard to find people. You know, it's not like even you interviewing 50 people and choosing one. You, <laughs> you look into interview people because there are very few. Yeah. Uh, so that thing is very different. Um, then 
then from a regulation perspective, it's fine. We, we actually had um, governments very interested, so instead of giving resistance, they, they were giving us help and feedback and what's important for them. It's, it's actually been um, a lot of fun. But from a perspective of acquiring licenses for every little step you want to do, that's definitely on the way, and uh, um, that takes a lot of time. Besides the money, it also takes a lot of time, and that just limits you in a highly um, uh, fast environment. So uh, then technologies themselves, it's also there are a lot of... Um, things that usually don't happen with mature technology. So as a CTO, you would be looking to build stack in your company the way that 80% uh, of the technologies is something stable, something been there for 10 years, something you're completely sure that company will not um, go bankrupt or whatever uh, can happen. So that's, that's suppose you're 80%. Then you have 20%, which is something cutting edge, something really cool, Indeed. something for you like R&D to, yeah. to do something great. And this is also a great way to attract the top engineers because they're more motivated by technology than of by the paycheck. So that's usually your distribution. And then with blockchain, you say, well, which blockchain is there for 10 years? And you're just like, uh. uh Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then suddenly, uh, yeah, Bitcoin was for a long time, but, uh, but, for, but Bitcoin also has uh, certain limitations that, yeah, of course. Uh, that are very hard uh, you know, to do the things that we want to do, uh, unless you're basically posting only proofs. Yeah. Um, so... Um, so then you, you're choosing between technologies to use, and of course a lot of things you, you, you have to build, but even when you're choosing the technologies, you read the white papers, you read the description and everything, and you think like, okay, that's, um, that's great. And with these new technologies, not many people um, had, an, uh, had experience for enough uh, time to actually tell you that you will have or not have problems in the future. And yeah. that's what mm -hmm. happening left and right. It's something like, oh, we're going to make Casper when? Oh, like, soon. <laughs> oh, we'll and, push it back, you know. All right. <laughs> it's coming. It's this, coming this, eventually. Yeah, so it, it's been soon for a while. <laughs> then, uh, then again, if, you, if you're working with other projects, and in particular, the biggest pain was... Uh, uh, the fact that we couldn't use IPFS um, because of all the problems that was there. Yeah. And um, it's a pity because we have to um, we have to do it ourselves, and that's that's a long um, long time that we basically losing there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of projects that um, advertise um, frameworks or technologies similar to that, they actually based on IPFS. So they carry <laughs> so, pretty much the same problems. It's a cascade of like, someone yeah. figure this out. <laughs> and uh, of course, I mean, building ourselves, it's, it's great, but it's just, again, time. Yeah. And um, we had to build a lot of stuff ourselves because we couldn't use existing solutions, unfortunately. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's why I like the blockchain industry in general is you're literally on the cutting edge and like you said it's not 80% like pre-built like yeah. I have documentation where I know that this will work with this yeah. <laughs> it's none of this really works <laughs> we have to streamline it for our end solution it's super exciting yeah 
But when you stranded for time, that's kind of stressful. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's why it's a, it's a unique. But I love it. Yeah, it's don't a get me place wrong. To be in. Yeah, like, it really is. So uh, this actually came up. So how did you first get into blockchain? How did you learn to uh, you know develop smart contracts and you know obviously go a lot further? Like, where what was your process? So I was working at a security uh, company, and um, I was involved mostly with um, uh, asymmetric keys. So public um, public uh, key cryptography was was okay. something I was doing on a daily basis. And then I learned about blockchain, and first of all, it was built on pretty much the technologies I use every day. And um, second of all, I just really loved the idea. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, just having something that can run things without a third-party um, verifier, like that just <laughs> incredible use case. And yeah. you can use that in so many spaces. And unfortunately, some people took that very far. Yeah. <laughs> ICO just, ICOs were just booming and people were solving everything on the blockchain. Well, on paper in the blockchain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not all the solutions are great for blockchain. Yeah. Um, some are better, some are worse, some are completely not applicable. And I think uh, if you're choosing your technologies wisely, I think blockchain um, or, or which part of your technology you use blockchain for, I think blockchain can bring a ton, a ton of value. Yeah, absolutely. You have anything to add? I just wanted to know, like, you know, we, we talk about the struggles here, but, you know, <laughs> I think the technology is still moving forward. So yep. wh where do you think uh, Propy has done in a year? Like, as a, let's say I'm an investor, you know, why should mm -hmm. I buy it? So what, what have you accomplished in this past year? Um, so first of all, we finished the platform. <laughs> we delivered the platform as promised. So it's fully working, capable of doing transactions, and not just any transactions, any kind of transactions mm -hmm. in uh, all parts of the world. What we've been building is, uh, we call it adaptive transaction platform. Essentially, you can uh, create a flow for any deal for any, with any number of participants and payments and whatever, and then UI basically just reflects that, that deal. Mm -hmm. So what we have, um, uh, essentially templates for the deals in uh, different parts of the world. And uh, instead of scaling up right away, what we did, we actually poked around different states and made transactions there, poked around different countries as well, made transactions. Just yesterday we announced a transaction that we had in the EU as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was uh, an apartment sold. And uh, uh, once we basically figure out all the laws and regulations and um, made our, so to say, test transaction, because we could basically just scale up in, in one part and just mm -hmm. sell it in Silicon Valley <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> to foreign investors. But we figure, yeah. but we figure out the global, uh, the global regulations um, customized for each country, and now we're ready to scale up. So there will be... Essentially, 2009, there will be a lot of um, scaling happening mm -hmm. because technology-wise, registry is working, conveyance platform working, listing platform is there. Of course, there's no limit to perfection. We will, of course, make it better and uh, mm -hmm. work on that, improve, add new features, but it's time to scale up. Okay. So let's uh, let's take that or project that forward. So 
where do you see Proppy in five years and how do you see, uh, you know, the blockchain space and how that relates to Proppy? Like, where, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, you've got to always be future minded, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, for blockchain, it's kind of hard to predict five years because like, look, when we started yeah. just um, maybe, basically maybe, maybe yesterday, it to like three years. <laughs> I think three years is just far out enough to where it's like, just yeah. hard. But, but look what we already have. There are, um, there are so many different interesting solutions for the problems that were persisted, persisted. Uh, for example, um, throughput, right? We have a lot of, uh, uh, layer two solutions. We have uh, uh, new blockchains which which have different consensus model. Uh, and by the way, that consensus model, like for example, EOS with their depots, um, like they don't need to burn so much electricity and stuff like that. So basically, that's one of the problem that was raised that a lot of electricity spend um, uh, throughput. That that's another problem. Then. Uh, you know, just overall uh, scalability, look at the security as well, like everybody was saying it's not possible to do it securely, but there you go. It's, it's only been months, essentially. <laughs> it's not even years. And, and from it's impossible to in six months having that, that's yeah. actually very fast development speed. And I think... I think that all these problems that, that are still there today, that they will be solved. That's, that's pretty much um, like a given in my mind that yeah. it will be solved. But then there will be new stuff. There will be more um, coolness to the blockchain. Now all this, <laughs> you, you, you see actually blockchains appear and then suddenly like, oh, you do only this or you do only this. And then more blockchains appear and they bring something interesting. And if you're looking for a cookie cutter solution that's gonna do everything for you, there will not be one super optimal solution to right. satisfy everyone. Yeah. 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 But, um, but what happens is a lot of these blockchains already can communicate with each other. There are actions in the US, there are, um, there are atomic swaps as well that you can do between blockchains and um, straight data import as well. There's a lot of things going on there as well. So are you looking into moving from Ethereum somewhere else? That's actually what I was trying to get at is if, if that's an option down the line. We, we don't have to. Uh, we actually have, um, uh, we can supplement that with other technologies mm -hmm. as well. But for what we use Ethereum, it's actually working very well. And mm -hmm. uh, for us, it's great. Like if you look for like high velocity trading or something like that, like maybe you would use some um, uh, layer two or whatever. But um, if you trade real estate and you need to make a, um, a purchase or whatever, and you can, w you can afford waiting like that 15 seconds or, <laughs> yeah. or like even a minute or whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you pay with fiat, it's going to take three days. And here you, you have, it's measured in seconds, mm -hmm. how much you wait. It's still much faster. So for us, it doesn't make sense to switch from Ethereum at this point. Uh, maybe some way down the future, but um, so far there are no plans of switching. Supplementing, yes, we can do, uh, for example, uh, I'm not sure if you saw our auction project as well. So for the auction, we use uh, uh, layer two uh, network basically for making bids because mm -hmm. their time is very important. It's yeah. still Ethereum, but, but we use um, uh, layer two. So 
if you have a hybrid auction and you have an audience sitting in the room and you have somebody else who's bidding um, um, through Ethereum, right? And if my bid will come 15 seconds later, I may lose my bid because yeah. it will be one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe when he was saying two, you decided you yeah. want to press the button, but that would be too late. True. And it gives disproportionate advantage to people who sit in the room and have it in real time. Yeah. So we had to use uh, sub supplement Ethereum uh, to basically be able to do this. But again, all the proofs, everything is still on Ethereum. So you can verify that nobody cheated, nobody uh, switched anybody, anybody's bids or uh, whatever else. Mm -hmm. So it seems like you've implemented multiple second layer solutions um, to solve any of these little issues that the main Ethereum network is providing. Well, when, when Depots come into play, uh, or, or rather, not Depots, sorry, uh, the, uh, Casper, when, yeah. uh, when, when their implementation of proof of stake uh, comes, uh, comes in and uh, stable, uh, I think a lot of these things that we use uh, as supplemental right now, like crutches, <laughs> we couldn't just basically get rid of them and yeah. just do everything on mainnet. Mm -hmm. So as they develop, we just, we just pull in uh, more of that stuff. It, it's just we can't wait right now. We have to move fast. So we, we do this. We, we, um, we supplement the technology. But um, as so they, as they catch use? up. Hmm? What would you use? For what? For the bidding. Which uh, protocol would you use? Oh, so we use the uh, Raiden. Raiden, okay. Yeah. okay. Cool. So, uh, any final questions here on your end? No, I mean, I, you know, where, where do I buy the token? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, where, <laughs> where, where do I sign right up? Now. On the website, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to invest. So, you said Huobi, right? Huobi is the one that's trading the yeah, most. Yeah, the token is, uh, we, we cannot sell tokens by ourselves, but, um, but if, you want, if you're interested to buy, uh, the biggest volume is currently on Hobby, but we listed in multiple countries, multiple exchanges, mm -hmm. um, big ones, uh, like three or four big ones, I think, um, and and a lot of small ones as well. All right. Yeah, I'll be looking into it as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So any final words, anything you want to tell the audience? Well, I'm excited about 2019. I think it's going to be great. Like the stuff that we talk about, the development of blockchain and uh, how real estate is going to transform. Oh, yeah. I think that's just really just the uh, tip of, an, of the iceberg because uh, like look what's happening. You show people how to do something once and maybe there are like one or two people following you to, to check it out. And then when they see, oh, it works, then whole bunch of people trying to do this. And same actually happened with blockchain, like first Ethereum meetups, there were like six people on those. And now you can't buy tickets, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So I think, I think that 2019 is extremely exciting from the perspective of technology and from perspective of real estate. Now that we are on final stages with the pilots, with governments, those uh, registries will go live as well, and you will be able to see a lot of uh, speed up. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, why don't you, you know, shout out Proppy, any social media, your website, everything, like give the audience what they wanna, where they can find you. Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, the best way is to just go Proppy.com. Uh, that's uh, P-R-O-P-Y uh, dot uh, com. And uh, uh, Twitter is uh, Proppy Inc. 
Um, well, we are on Facebook as well and uh, Reddit, I think. <laughs> Just Google it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Yuri, where can people find you? Oh, Cypher Hunt on YouTube. Awesome. Yeah, you can just Google that. Oh, Google that. YouTube that. <laughs> you'll be able to YouTube find is Google that. Yeah, it's Google. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Thanks for watching. This has been uh, State of the Industry. Again, I'm Chris Gaines with The Den. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time. All right. Thank you for having us. Yeah.